Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. You guys have been at the table the last week? Me too. Stand with me if you would. Open up your Bibles to um, Acts chapter 27. We're going to talk a little bit about the the shipwreck at Malta with Paul, uh, more so on the side that he is on the ship. you got to forgive me this morning. My dog got a hold of my reading glasses. Yeah. So I was going to put them on. It looked like little paw prints all over the deal. So, oh, yeah, you guys need a dog if you don't have one. And just leave stuff laying out. They'll take care of it for you. So uh, first world problems, right? First world problems. Um, as we look here, we're going to talk about just a seat at the table for gratitude. How many of us know we need to be thankful for some things? Amen. So we have some gratitude. Here Paul is uh, sailing on the ship. He's told them not to go. He is a prisoner really by volunteering because he's on his way to Rome. He has to go there. He's on a mission um, for the Lord. And then we pick up in verse 33. As the day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore I urge you, take some food, for it will give you strength, for not a hair is to perish from your head of any of you. And when he um, had said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all, he broke it and they began and began to eat. Then they were encouraged and ate some food themselves. We were in all 276 persons in the ship, and when he had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace, your mercy. Illuminate our hearts with your word. Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning in the way that we need to be spoken to, we pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, everyone says, amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Wave hi at your neighbor. Absolutely. We love to do that because we're a friendly church. We're so glad that you guys are here. I know some people are probably still with family today, but you guys made it out. Thank you so much. If you are a guest, we'd like to say welcome. And if you're joining us on whatever screen you're joining us, thank you for being a part of this this morning. We've been in a series, Save a Seed, and we're going to continue that series. Today will be the last installment, but today I simply want to talk about gratitude. And I want to talk about, as we look in this story, we really see three ways that Paul shares gratitude. And this is what I know about gratitude. Gratitude is harder than we think it is, but it'll have a greater impact than we can ever imagine. And that's really true about gratitude. The other day we were out here redoing the, um, some valves on our sprinkler systems when we had our um, hallelujah night and we set up all kinds of things for the kids to play. We were driving a stake in the ground and we found an irrigation water line. And let me tell you, a one-inch water line can bleed out water pretty quick. So we found out we had to shut it off, but it kind of turned off the whole church and some other stuff. So we went out, and uh, Daryl and his crew said, we're going to put some water valves out here. So we went out Monday, and I got to be a part of that and learned a whole lot. But we're down there in the ground, and we're trying to find all the water valves. And my previous discussion with Jim, one of our elders here, is saying, well, I would think that this was such a big project that we would know where the shutoff valve is just to the irrigation sprinklers that we would know where that was, you know, that it would be on some kind of schematics or maybe we would remember. And I remember having that conversation with him two or three times. It seems like we would remember this was a big project, you know. Um, and Jim would remind me, Matt, this was 22 years ago. 
and it still didn't get fit through my thick skull, right? So we're out there where we're placing these water valves, and, uh, and, and I'm there. I'm, I'm there on the project. I know where everything goes. About four hours later, Jim stops by. I take him out there, and we're going to show him what we've done. And I'm standing looking at all these valve covers, and I'm telling him, okay, this valve goes to the church, and this valve goes to the irrigation, and that over there, that cover, um, that's the one for the meter. And then the one behind it is the one that shuts off everything. And then I paused a moment, and I thought, wait a second, I don't know if that's right or not. So I said, wait a second, I think I got that wrong. I think this one's for that, and this one's for that, and this one's for that. And then we started walking back up to the church, and about halfway, a guy got up here. I said, Jim, just disregard everything that I just said, because I don't think I have any of that right. And let me tell you, Jim did not miss his opportunity. <laughs> He's sticking the key in the door to let us in. He looks at me, he goes, Matt, he said, you're asking me to remember things that happened 22 years ago, and you can't remember something that happened four hours ago. <laughs> Touche, Jim. Touche. I was up underneath the same thing. It's harder than I thought it was to remember. <laughs> and we've all been there where it becomes harder. And, and, and gratitude is one of those things that's harder than we think. Because it's easy to be thankful and count our blessings and do these different things that we're going to talk about when things are running smoothly. But here we catch up with Paul in the text and things are not running smoothly. He's on a ship and the waves are high and the wind is blowing and they haven't had daylight for a while and people are hungry and, and they're doing everything they can to throw and tackle over the ship. And Paul even tells them, which we'll go over here in a second, I told you not to go sail because I told you this would not work. So they find themselves in a situation that's just a tragic disaster in a lot of ways. Well, sometimes we find ourselves in that situation. Paul's on the ship, and he didn't make that situation, yet he was still a person that had to endure it. You've been there before. You've looked out and saw some situations in your life, and you're like, God, I didn't cause this. Why am I in the middle of it? Anybody been there? But maybe we could also be like the sailors on the ship and the captain that also said, okay, we're going to sail anyways. Now we're in a mess that we sailed into whenever God was telling us to hang back. Oh, I just, just heard some toes curl on that one right there, you know. That's true, though. We've all been there, right? So whenever we look into this story, we can identify in a lot of ways in this situation that's going on. So how do we show gratitude? Because we want to save a seat for gratitude. It's harder than we think, but the impact will be greater than we can ever imagine. And not just say we have gratitude or thankfulness or gratefulness in our heart, but God, does my life reflect the one thing that you showed me, which was forgiveness, which was the things that we're going to talk about. Because whenever we show gratitude, we really reflect the grace and the goodness of what God has bestowed upon us. Amen? Whenever we do things for others, we're doing the same thing that God did for us. So it's not just something that's an attitude. It's not just something that is uh, unfamiliar, but it should be something that's seated deeply in our heart saying, God, we want to make sure that we do this right and that my life reflects the same thing that I received from you. In, in Acts chapter 27, verse 35, one of the key scriptures, and when he said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence. Gratitude. In the midst of all that was going on, in the midst of the ship about to break apart, in the midst of God speaking to him and saying, hey, nobody is going to be hurt. And I encourage you to go back and read the story. There's a lot that we can't get to. In the midst of throwing tackle over, in the midst of saying, am I going to stay alive? Is this going to work? In the midst of no doubt thinking, I didn't get myself here. Why am I here? You guys didn't listen to me. In the midst of all that, that's not what overwhelmed him. And that's what caught my attention in this story, looking at it from this angle. What overwhelmed him is the gratitude that he had in his heart for his God. 
In the midst of all of them, he took the bread and he didn't just shove it down his throat and say, I'm going to eat first, y'all eat second. He didn't say, hey, y'all are going to watch me because we're here because of y'all's bad decisions. Instead, what he did, he took the bread, gave thanks to God and knew that God would be there for him. An absolute example of gratitude. And I want to encourage us. It's really easy, especially in this season. And we all have seasons in our life where we fluctuate and we know that we're more intense in some areas and less intense in others. And, and th there's nothing wrong with that because we go through seasons. But right now, in this season, as we celebrate our Lord and Savior's birth and all the things that we have, don't forget, say, God, I have gratitude in my heart for what you've done. It's not just about receiving. It's about giving. God, it's not just about why haven't you taken me out of this or why am I going through this, but yet it's about finding those blessings regardless of the circumstance. And God sees where you're at. So how do we do that? How do we make sure that we're showing gratitude in our heart? As we look into Scripture, the first thing that I see is forgiveness. We forgive. We forgive because God forgave us. Amen? That's one of the greatest ways to show gratitude. Now, we talked about this, <clears throat> excuse me, we talked about this last week for a little while, so I don't want to park on it too long. But as we read Scripture, we can't just mull over it and say it's not there because Paul forgave. Paul moved on and did some things. Now, this morning, what I want to do is talk about how he forgave. Last week, we talked about, in Luke chapter 15, the wounds of the father to the son and how he forgave the son and ultimately um, changed the son's life because forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is a sign of gratitude, and like gratitude, it's harder than we think it is, but if we forgive, it'll make a greater impact than we could ever imagine. So here we sit. So last week we talked about that, and I know that we visited about the impacts on the father and how he forgave and how that changed the son's life. But what I want to talk about is how do we forgive? How do we do that? So this first part, if you want to attach it to next week's, to last week's sermon, it would really hopefully encourage you and help you out not only to forgive, but how to forgive. So here we see that uh, in Acts chapter 27, verse 21. So we didn't read it, but in this story, this is literally what Paul says. He comes out and he says, Men, you should have listened to me and not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. I mean, he does go out and he talks to these old boys. He's like, listen, that's Oklahoma for his friends probably, right? So... Now, I don't know if they're good old boys or not, but they were all on the ship. I promise you, if the ship's going under, everybody on the ship is your friends. You know what I mean? We're all trying to make this out together. But, but they're on the ship. He goes, listen, I told you not to do this, but yet you still decided anyways. Ooh, have you ever had that conversation? Have you ever, parents, help me out, grandparents, have you ever looked at your child and said, we are in this situation because of your decision, and I told you right? And that, listen to me, young parents like myself, it's still okay to call our kids to the carpet. We don't just redirect. We need to look at our kids and say, listen, we are in a situation and these are the consequences of bad decisions and this is your bad decision. Or we need to look at our kids and see a bad situation they're in and say, listen, this is a consequence of your decision. Amen, brother Matt. We still need to do that. Paul does that. I mean, these are full-grown men. All of a sudden, we see something happen in Paul's life here, which we see he goes from passenger to leader. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's looking at him. He was just a prisoner moments ago, if you will, or days ago. He was just a prisoner. Telling people not to do this. Oh, you're full of it. You, we're not going to pay attention to you. We're going to do what we're going to do. 
So you can see the wounds here, and you can see the way forgiveness is being needed. And now all of a sudden, he pulls out and, and looks at them and says, Listen, I told you guys not to do this, but you got to love Paul because he helps us identify. And, and we feel this way. We have children, and we say stuff like, Do you remember when I told you? Yeah, we say that. How many times do we do this? Because one of the hardest persons to forgive in our life is ourselves. How many times have you looked in the mirror and said, I told myself I was never going to do that again? How many times have you looked in the mirror and thought, man, I promised myself that was not going to happen? It's tough, isn't it? It's tough. And then, of course, we, we, get, into, we get into God sometimes. I mean, sometimes we hold it against God. Now, now go with me on this, okay? In, in, Luke, excuse me, in John chapter 11, Lazarus dies, Okay? And then we fast forward and Jesus shows up and Martha looks at Jesus and says, had you been here, he wouldn't have died. Now, we got to make sure we don't put on our holy, holy, holy T-shirt and think we're not above that. Because how many times have we asked God, God, if you, where are you at? That's what we've changed it to. Not God, if you'd have been there, but God, where were you at whenever this situation happened? Because I think if you would have been present, it wouldn't have happened. So does that, oh, come on now. And we can, start, we can start doing that. I mean, God sent an angel to hang out with Paul and say everything's going to be okay. Why? Because he doesn't pluck us from the storm. Many times we have to ride through the storm because what God wants to accomplish us is greater than we can imagine. That's the reason why forgiveness is so important. Because forgiveness is harder than we could ever, ever think, but it has a deeper impact than we could ever imagine. So we see Paul having the right to hold it against him having the right not to, not to let it go, to feel the ways that we feel, yet he still forgives. He moves on. Now, how does he forgive? Three simple ways. First of all, whenever we're trying to forgive, we look in Scripture and we see what Paul did. How did he forgive his men that he's with? He acknowledged the event. He acknowledged the event. I told you guys not to do this, but here we are. Listen, acknowledge what happened. Listen, we cannot sweep stuff up underneath the rug. That leads to so many problems later on in life, amen? So many mental struggles and emotional struggles that if we have to face stuff, it's better, though it's tougher. And then if you are the one that goes against somebody, don't sweep it up underneath the rug like your sin doesn't matter. I know, I know, forgive me. But sometimes we have a tendency to do that. Hold people's feet to the fire and maybe not hold our own as much as we need to. Or maybe what we tend to do is because we hold our feet to the fire so much and our standard is so high, we expect everybody else's to be up there and we become God in somebody else's life. Well, God, you need to do this to them. Just me, huh? Just me. Sometimes we do that and we see all that, but you have to acknowledge the event. This happened. Guys, we are here. You, you did this and we are here. Acknowledge the event. Don't dwell on the event forever, okay? Acknowledge the event and what does he do? He protects um, and then we have to protect yourself. I love what Paul does because he protects himself. He goes back and he doesn't dwell just necessarily on what happened, but what he goes back and he begins to remind himself that an angel came, that an angel talked to him, that an angel spoke to him, that God's going to deliver, that God's going to change, that God's going to save. Does that make sense? And that's what we have to do. Don't let the event write the rest of your story depend upon God to write the rest of our story, amen? But we have to protect ourselves. The way that we forgive is we protect ourselves. Don't get caught up in the event. Listen, you can play that event over and over and over and over in your mind, and it still leads you to the same place every time. It leads you to a place of questions, of hurt, of difficulty. We must forgive. We acknowledge it, and then we protect ourselves and say, God, this did happen, but you are the author of my story, so I'm going to trust you. 
Okay, then Paul continues, and what is the third thing he does? This is what we all have to do. He takes one step at a time. We move forward in action. I love what Paul does. He says, we are here because of your bad decisions. Now, this is what we need to do. We need to pray. We need to eat. We need to throw some stuff overboard. Do you realize? I mean, that's a great, just one step at a time. Whenever we're moving past forgiveness, which is, the true, which is a true sign, okay, of being grateful in our hearts, whenever we move past that, we say, God, how do we do this? One step at a time. Don't you, I mean, it's amazing that we serve a God that will not leave us like he found us. But we got to be willing to put one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other, amen, and work through that unforgiveness because it truly is a sign of gratitude. And here Paul was in the midst of a storm. He didn't have time to harbor that forgiveness. It stopped him from what he was trying to do if he would have bought into it. And he said, no, listen, sadness, anger, depression, and these are all real emotions that we deal with, okay? These are all real things that we deal with. Sometimes we look in Scripture and we see Paul and we're thinking, man, this dude was amazing and he was a great man, but he is not Jesus Christ. We have to remember this was a man and at times he did things that men would do, said things that men would say, amen, and did those things. So here, no, no, no doubt, whenever he's on the ship, it's not like he wakes up and like, oh, an angel visited me, da, 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 da. You know what I mean? <laughs> and sometimes we look in Scripture like, oh, no, it's because we know the end of the story. I mean, this is happening play by play by play to Paul. The storm doesn't cease. The waves don't calm down. They still throwing stuff over. But know that God's going to save us. Forgiveness is hard, but the impact is greater than we can ever imagine. And whenever we forgive, we truly show the gratitude that's in our heart for what Christ has done for us. So we save a seat for gratitude. We save a seat for forgiveness. Acknowledge, protect ourselves, and then one step at a time. God, we're going to walk forward. I'm going to let you be the controller of my emotions, of my thoughts. Here, here the second thing that we see as we continue to read is we simply see the understanding of count your blessings. You guys remember the old song, count your blessings, name them one by one. It's hard to think of that phrase and not sing that song. And in the midst of the storm, in the midst of things that we don't understand, in the midst of things that we didn't ask for to happen, we want to make sure that we count our blessings. This season, as you're going into the different places where you're shopping, buying the food, and shucking out that money, come on now. Thank God that I have money to buy a toy with. I don't think I'm going to complain all the time about the toy that I'm buying. Thank God that I have money to give to buy a kid a toothbrush that's over in an overseas country that will wake up and that'll be the only one that he has. I don't think I'm going to get grumpy about it. So we count our blessings that I wake up and we go to any of our taps in our house, to our bathroom faucets or to our kitchens, and we turn it on and we take a big gulp. And then we think about all those people who have been affected by earthquakes and fires who cannot do that. We count our blessings, don't we? And here Paul counts his blessings... One of the great stories, 2010 Chilean miners, 33 of them get stuck underground, 700 meters underground. And there's a gentleman, and, and his name is, is Louis Urzu. He is the shift leader. Now, you got to understand, in their culture, the shift leader was, I mean, he was not, I, I want to be careful because he wasn't like Jesus, but people had a high respect for this guy for situations like this because they knew if things happened like this, he was the guy that was in charge. 700 meters down, there's a collapse on the mine. 33 miners are trapped. Now, it's not always what we think where it's just kind of one hole and 33 people are hanging out. 
They've got big trucks up underneath there, and they have ways that they can move around and places that they can sleep and different things like that. 33 miners get trapped. Now, they're used to 12-hour towers or 12-hour shifts, if you will. And yet, it collapses. He takes two or three people, and he goes with them, and they try to find a way out. And sure enough, there's no way out. He assesses the situation. Now, all of a sudden, he's the shift leader. Now, he's the man. People are phoning down to him. They have phone, phone cables running 700 miles into the ground, and they're talking to him back and forth. He's the guy. For 69 days, they're trapped because they're finding different ways to try to get down. And everything's like a million dollar, couple million dollar gamble for the, for the country. They're trying to do the very best they can. And they said what was one of the things that really kept them going was the attitude, was the mindset of Lewis. He organized his guys into 12 hours still, 12 hours rotation. He'd take those big trucks and turn on their headlights. That way he'd give them kind of some kind of semblance of daylight. And he'd make them work, and then he would say, okay, now this is where we're going to sleep. This is where we're going to eat. This is the unsanitary portion of the bathroom, if whatever you will. And he'd begin to divide them up. At one point, he even had them mining rocks out of the ceiling. That way, if there was a rumble, the rocks wouldn't fall down on them while they're sleeping. I mean, he did a great job of organizing. At one point, they phoned down to him. He talked to three people a day. He talked to the psychiatrist, the doctor, and then he also talked to the guy, the engineer who was in charge of getting them out every day. At one point, he actually is talking to the doctor who's checking on them medically, and he says, listen, sir, we've got to go. We've got to make this quick because we've got work to do. I mean, his attitude's amazing. Now, they, they, at one point, they're saying, listen, we're going to bore down, but you've got to be ready for this, Lewis, because there's going to be over 70,000 liters of water that could wash out the area that you stay in, so are you prepared? What does he do? He organizes his men. He gets them all shifted out and, and the places that they need to be, and sure enough, he diverts that water, and they're saved. As he's coming up out of the hole after 69 days, the first thing that Lewis says is, man, that was a long shift. <laughs> Think about the attitude. Think about the attitude behind that. Man, you're 700 meters below ground. You haven't seen your family. You're thinking, are we going to get out of here? Are we not? The ration of food was two teaspoons of tuna every 48 hours and a half a glass of milk. Imagine getting productivity out of that. But in the midst of all that, what he was doing, he was counting his blessings the best that he could and saying, listen, we're going to stay focused. We're not going to stay focused on everything around us, but what we're going to stay focused on is what God is, or what, how to get out of here. Acts chapter 27, verse 34. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength for not a hair is to perish from your head of any of you. Paul could have got caught up on the storm, on the waves, on the wind, on throwing stuff overboard, being in a place that he didn't really want to be. God, you're the one that sent me on this mission. How many of us have said that? God, I'm here because you told me to be. And then we leave our attitude in a place that we don't need to leave it, and all of a sudden God's trying to use us, and he can't use us because we have a bad attitude, and God doesn't work through bad attitudes, amen? He works through his people, and we have that attitude of gratitude. And we say, God, I know that you're trying to do something, so we count our blessings in the midst. In this season, what are you looking for as blessings in your life? And for every one of us, we can start with this morning as we woke up and inhaled breath as our feet hit the floor, and we got one more day to work out God in our life, amen? Count our blessings. Paul had every reason, the storm, the ships, the stuff, but he began to look up and say, listen, we're not going to die. That's positive. <laughs> we got ourselves in this situation, but the good news is God's going to save us. 
Now, part of that was obviously because God had a bigger plan for Paul and the Isle of Malta and things like that, and we know that. But he began to look at, instead of looking at all the stuff around him, he said, you know what? We need to count our blessings. He goes on here. Uh, uh, Verse 30. This is how bad it got. Verse 30. Sailors were seeking to escape from the ship. At one point, they were thinking about lowering down this dinghy and jumping in it and getting out of Dodge. And Paul even has to look at them and the captain and say, listen, if they jump off, dude, they're going to die. Like, if we're all going to make it, they have to stay on the ship. And they had to cut the rope loose and watch it float away. There's things in our life that if we're going to do what God's called us to, we need to cut loose and let them float away, amen? Because God's got a better, bigger plan for us. But here we see how, how, how bad it was, and yet he kept his focus and his attitude right and began to count blessings. One of the phrases that I ran across of, when all is dark, look for the stars. Ancient navigators, you know, they didn't have the technology that we had. They had some pretty awesome technology for their time and day, but they didn't have what we have today. GPS where you just, you know, and then we're setting sail. They looked at the stars in the sky. Whenever it was darkest around them and they were trying to navigate, what did they do? They looked up and saw the only light that was available so they could get to where they're going. For me and you, when it's the darkest around us, let's look up and say, God, what do you have for us that's going to guide us? Because whenever we look at the blessings in our life, it's like those stars. It navigates us to where we're going. It'll keep us from getting in a shipwreck. It'll keep us from steering away from some of those things. And we become like those ancient navigators saying, listen, there's really nothing else to look around up here, so I'm going to look up. But for you and I, whenever we don't count our blessings, what we're doing is we're saying, God, everything that's going on down here is more important and it's going to engulf me. But the things down here so many times breaks our confidence, sends in doubt, sends in fear, sends in question marks and all these different things. Whenever we take a break, we look up and say, God, what I'm going to do is concentrate on those blessings because when it's the darkest, those blessings become like stars and they remind me of what you're doing in my life. They remind me of where you're taking me. They remind us what God has in store. Amen. They remind us that if he's brought us this far, then he ain't going to send us back. Amen. So I'll look up like those ancient navigators and say, God, let me count my blessings because I know they're stars and they're going to take me to where I'm supposed to be. Psalms chapter 32, verse 7 and 8. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Encouraging to let us know That God, whenever we look at our blessings, that through those you teach us, through those you counsel us. Whenever we count our blessings, it's through those moments that we realize that you're not going to leave us nor forsake us. And every one of us has our own storm, has our own fight, has those things that we are going through. So this year we want to save a seat for gratitude. Counting blessings is hard, especially when the storm's raging, the wind's blowing, and there's water inside the boat. I don't know about you guys, but whenever there's water outside of the boat, I'm a lot happier camper than when there's water inside the boat. So what do we do when there's water inside the boat? God, I'm going to look up and look at those stars, look at those blessings. Because I realize that's what's going to navigate me to the next spot. All this down here can be confusing and frustrating at times. But God, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I realize that you're my hiding place. You're the one that I seek. You're the one that will surround me and give me deliverance. Maybe not deliverance like I would like it, but nonetheless, God, you're going to give me deliverance. 
so I'll look in the midst and count my blessings. Counting your blessings is hard. It's going to be harder than we think. But if we'll do it, the impact will be greater than we can imagine. So many times whenever we count our blessings and we forgive, it does something inside of us that's amazing. It releases us. But it also does something for the other person too. It releases that other person. And that's really the third thing that we see is encouragement. If we really want to walk in an action of gratitude, a heart is a heart of gratitude, then we look for ways to encourage. In the season that we're in, we have a lot of ways to not feel encouraged because we've got this responsibility and that responsibility. For some of you guys, your grandkids come over, now you've got the responsibility of cleaning your house for two hours because everything's out everywhere, right? Oh, yeah. And we think about all these different things. For some of us, we're preparing meals and getting this bought and getting that bought. And we're rearranging our schedules so some people don't have to rearrange their schedules so they can just show up, party, and leave. Anybody in that boat? I know you don't want to admit it, but I know that you are. That person sitting right next to you, huh? And it's very easy in those moments that we lose that attitude of gratitude. And we forget to forgive and we forget to count the blessings. Thank God that I have a place to host a party that people would want to come to. Thank God that this is an opportunity for all of our family to get together, even if I don't like some of them. (laughs) But we've looked for moments of encouragement. Mark Twain wrote this, One complaint can keep me going for a whole month. Mark Twain, one of the great writers in history. One compliment can keep me going for a whole month. Imagine being the person that gave him the one compliment and knowing that you are able to keep somebody going for a whole month. But that truly is the power of a compliment. That truly is the power of being encouraged because it's a powerful thing. Now, whenever we look at this and we say, okay, how can we encourage? Three easy ways to encourage. Because in situations like this, we've got to look at. So Paul here is helping us understand that we have to encourage. But if we want to say, okay, how do we encourage? Active encouragement. If you're looking, how do I encourage somebody in somebody's life is active encouragement. That means that, that the words that we give out, I'm actively building that person up. So we have to build each other up. So I'm going to give words of affirmation. I'm going to do my very, very best to say, listen, I see the change. And I, I see the direction that you're going. And I want you to know that that's important. You keep changing. Yeah, you hit a hiccup. You had a failure. You had some things that didn't go right but I do see what you're doing and I appreciate that. And that's really hard during seasons like this because we've got so much pressing on us. The next type of encouragement is self-encouragement. We have to guard what we put in. I mean, think about Paul here. He had to really guard himself about what was going in because now all of a sudden he went from passenger to leader or from prisoner to leader, if you will. And now all of a sudden God's using him and speaking through him and he's got to guard himself. You know, there's some people in our life that we have to be self-encouraging around. And listen, this is my bubble. This is my 10 people and you're not one of the 10. Does that mean I'm going to be rude and nasty? Oh, no. But does it mean I'm going to answer the phone every time you call? Because every time I answer the phone, things change. So we have to do self-encouragement. What are we watching? What are we listening to? We guard ourselves at times like this. Active encouragement, self-encouragement. And finally, the third one is passive encouragement. This is the hardest one. For me, it's one of the hardest ones. Passive encouragement is simply this. I don't always have to say what's on my mind. Even when we really, really want to. Even when that person really, really deserves it. I mean, we can sit back and do justification all we want to. Now, there's a difference between a kid running out in the highway and you've got to stop them, right? Amen on that. But that passive encouragement is, listen, every time I don't have to comment on it. Every time something happens, 
I don't have to just correct. Sometimes I just need to take a deep breath, address the situation plot, and move on and save that for another time. Amen? And that's really hard. Now, let's put, this, let's put some shoe leather on our theology, okay? You're at your house, and you're with your kids, and you do not like the way that they're raising your grandchildren. Your new 22-year-old has a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend that you really do not like. And you're thinking, I told you. No. <laughs> you're thinking all kinds of things. Maybe you're at somebody else's house. Maybe you're in one of the super stores we have here in Duncan, Oklahoma. And kids, people don't really watch their children like you would watch your children. And they're running loose niles and pulling things off the shelf and yelling. And You get your stuff and you walk out. You keep your mouth shut. Maybe it's a person sitting next to you in the pew. It's your spouse. It's hard during these times because the pressure's on during the seasons that we're on. I mean, come on. A lot of times during summer, man, I'm on the lake somewhere. I'm floating in an inner tube or hanging out fishing. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not getting ready for 14 parties that are coming or whatever, 14 events. Trying to do the stuff and big months and everything. Sometimes we just hold it in and we put that encouragement. We say, you know what? We're just going to be passive about this. The third Rangar Lighthouse is off the southwest coast of Iceland. The interesting thing about this is it was built pre-World War II, I think maybe in the late 30s, and it was built on three rocks. And the lighthouse is just a deck, and then it has a pad now, a helipad now, but before it didn't have that, it just had a little square inside that people lived in, and then it had a deck, and then it had a big lamp, and that was it. And it was very interesting why they put this in, and one of the reasons why is because whenever ship captains would come up, and of course it was to alert them of the rocks that would be selling, but what they found out too was that many times like captains would begin to look at the rocks and begin to get so concentrated and so focused on the hazard that the ship would actually become in a wreck or, or, be, um, or sink because their focus was on what could happen and not what they needed to do. The lighthouse was there, and as it shined, it alerted people to know that there's rocks coming out, but let know that there's other ways to get to where you need to. And it's an amazing, it's really an amazing lighthouse now. It's no longer functioning or anything like that, and the only way to access it is the helipad. And it was, it's a very interesting story how they built it and all this different stuff. But what they put it there for was this, because they found out people would get caught up in seeing the danger and they would actually get in danger. Because what we're focused on, we go to. What we're focused on, we find a way to, good or bad. Encouragement is like that. If all we're doing is kind of pulling people down and we're not giving compliments and we're just looking at all the bad stuff and the negative stuff that's going on, we tend to get focused and think, that's all, there's no blessings out here, there's no way to forgive, I am where I am because of other people's decisions. And many times we are where we are because of our own decisions. And we begin to flip the script and go down a road that we don't want to go down, but whenever we begin to encourage and build up and we begin to look for those good things, Paul, Acts 27, verse 35, And when he said these things, he took bread, and giving thanks to God in the presence of all he broke and began to eat, Verse 36, then they were all encouraged 
and, and ate some food themselves. All of a sudden, Paul looked and said, how can I encourage these people? We're all on a team and we're in the boat and we need to row together. And if only one person's encouraged, it doesn't do anybody any good. So how do I build up our encouragement? How do I build these other people up? And if we're really going to have an attitude of gratitude, then one of the greatest signs of that is that we look a way to encourage and to build up our brother, build up our sister, build up people around us. And during this season and that's time, that's what we do. Let's look for the good things that are happening. Don't deny stuff that's bad and sweep things up underneath the rug. But there's a lot of things that people do differently than we do that's not worth the fight, amen? So we just keep our mouth shut. And we say, God, I'm going to look for the encouragement and build up and build the relationship. Paul could have said anything, I told you so, or why didn't you listen to me? But he didn't. He found a way to show gratitude in his heart. And from that, the people around him were encouraged. Let's pay attention real quick to Acts 27, verse 38. And this is where we close today. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Forgive, counting blessings, encouragement. It's amazing whenever we do those things and we show that attitude of gratitude and a heart of gratitude. We save a seat for gratitude, which will be harder than we think, but will be greater than we can imagine. At the very end, it said, when they had eaten till they full, they began to throw stuff off the ship. How many of us could lose some weight off of our lives, some things that easily entangle us? Whenever we do the opposite and we don't forgive and we only look for the bad and then we tear people down, that really causes a ton of weight on ourselves. But these men, after they were full, all of a sudden they began to have the courage to get rid of things out of their life that they needed to so that they could go on to where God was going to have them. We know the end of the story. The shipwrecked landed on the island of Malta, and it's an amazing story. Viper jumps out and beats, uh, bites Paul. He shakes it off. The villagers see it. They say, hey, you've got to come pray for our chief. He prays for the chief. The chief miraculously gets healed. I mean, people get saved. This is like a revival thing going on. And it's amazing. If you go back and study the history of that island that Paul landed on, they still celebrate the day that he landed on that island. Because it was the day that Christ came. And they, they throw a party and a parade, and it's, it's really neat. So I want to encourage you this morning, because the storm that you're going through, God has a plan. You just got to trust him. And in the midst of the storm, man, we can miss out on the blessings and miss out on the good things of God and, and not forgive, not build each other up. But we won't reach the destination that God's trying to get us to. And what God's trying to do through us and in us, he wants to do to other people too. So I don't know why you're in the storm that you're in. I don't know why you're going through what you're going through. But what I do know is if you'll hold fast to Christ, it'll be amazing what he can do through your life. And then in the midst of it, some of these things that we hang on to will be like those sailors. You know what's a little easier to throw it overboard? Because we're going somewhere. So God, this is going to be harder than I think, but the impact not only on myself, but on the world around me is going to be greater than I can imagine. So I'm going to forgive. I'm going to do my very best, God, to build people up. And God, above all, I want to look up and count my blessings because I know you're moving in my life. So what's your storm today? What thing are you facing? What difficulty? We know it's Thanksgiving and we just passed that and Christmas and the new year. It's amazing though, it still doesn't mean that those things don't happen even in the midst of all the wonderful things that do happen. So what's your storm? 
Have you really said, you know what, I want to have an attitude of gratitude? It's something that we can all do and do a better job of. If you're in the place today and you say, Matt, you don't understand, it's just kind of hopeless for me. Well, if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, I want you to know it's not hopeless. But if you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart, then yeah, you're looking at a very difficult situation. Hopelessness is, not, hopelessness is a part of it. But the good news is you can accept Christ as your Lord and Savior and everything changes. And all of a sudden you can go from the one on the ship saying, what do we do? To the person throwing stuff off the ship saying, I cannot wait to get to where God's taken me. Brothers and sisters, we struggle, don't we, at times? It's hard, man. We keep it internal. Nobody knows about it until somebody knows about it because somebody asked the wrong thing at the wrong time. Maybe we need to throw some stuff off our ship this morning. Would you stand with me all the way around, please? I'm going to ask our altar workers to go ahead and be released from their seats and come up here if you guys would. And as they're released, do you need special prayer this morning? You're going through a storm and you just need a little bit of prayer. Would you slip out from your seats and come on down? We're not going to last very long here today. But I want to give you the time to come down. you got some family. you got some frustrations, maybe a job situation, whatever it is. Just come on down. We want to pray with you because we want you to know that we're for you, not against you. Let's give these guys a hand as they come down. It takes a lot of courage. We know that some of you guys are in a struggle. You're in a struggle for your health. You're in a struggle for your family. You got some things you know God's speaking to you. And would some of my other people just slip out and come down and place a hand really quickly if you would. Really quickly come down and place a hand on somebody's back. We don't want anybody to be alone. Come on down, absolutely. And if you want to move, feel free to come down. We still got some free altar workers now. For you and your seats, I know that God can work in our seats and you have your own battles and your own storm. So would you just pray as they pray at the front? Father, our hearts are bowed. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, we know that it's hard to have gratitude all the time, but we certainly wanna be people with a heart of gratitude. We wanna be like Paul, God, that you're taking us somewhere. You got some lives that wanna be changed, including ours. And God, we wanna be on the right ship, God. Even if the storm's raging, the wind's blowing, it looks like we're not gonna make it. We know if we're with you, we're in the right place at the right time. So Father, whatever storm my brothers and sisters are facing this morning, God, I pray that you would give them courage to face the waves, to face the wind, to face the frustration and the anger, God. Face whatever it is, God, head on as you do a miracle in their life, God. And as we want to show gratitude through forgiveness, God, we want to show gratitude through counting our blessings. We want to show gratitude by building each other up, God, and ourselves. We just want to do that in reflection of you because you are our Savior. You're our King. Thank you for these wonderful people that's in the building, God. Thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and the lives of your wonderful children. God, our hearts are truly bowed to you. We thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, you're doing what only you can do. And we know that things are being broken. Forgiveness is being given. God, encouragement's being strengthened. And Father, help us all to look up when it's the darkest and see the stars, which are our blessings. And know, God, you're still in the middle of it with us. Thank you for this wonderful congregation. God, keep your hand upon them. Let us go out and be the lights that you've designed us for. Let us save a seat for gratitude this holiday season. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Everyone says, amen, amen. Hey, we love you guys. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Absolutely. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. 
Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.